Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tom Green Interview on Audio Up, and I'm Tom Green, and we have a fun show today, uh, an interesting show, an exciting show, a legendary show, I think you could call it, Jello Biafra is here, Jello Biafra, uh, born as Eric Reed Boucher. Uh, better known by his professional name, Jello Biafra, is an American singer, musician, spoken word artist, the former lead singer and songwriter for the San Francisco punk rock band Dead Kennedys. And let's just jump right into it. <laughs> Are we rolling yet? Yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're going now. We'll, we'll consider this uh, start. I'm, 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 we're here with Jello Biafra, and uh, I'll do a more... Uh, uh, you know, respectable intro later, and I'll edit it in, but we're just going to jump yeah. right into it. How are Dead you, Jello? Kennedy's Good. Alternative Tentacles, Guantanamo School of Medicine, first person, or one of the first people tried for obscenity on a record album in American history, and bloody blittity blittity blue. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, it's great. And, great I, oh, and I also have, I guess you can't really call it a podca- podcast as much as a blast cast or a rant cast. Called What Would Jello Do? Oh, nice. Yeah. Is it, and how long? And how long have you been doing that? Boy, since Meg Whitman was running for governor of California, because <laughs> the very first one I did was when I flashed on the fact that she and Charles Lawton could have been separated at birth. Okay, nice. Now, do you and like then Ralph? Ralph Spite, the guitarist in my current band, Guantanamo School of Medicine, actually pulled them both up and put them side by side on his computer when we were mixing one of the songs for a release called Enhanced Methods of Questioning. And there they were side by side. I was like, oh, my God, I'm too right. This is totally right. <laughs> Yike. <laughs> How do you like podcasting and what do you make of all the, you know, the, the, the modern world of Internet? Is, is it does it has it is it more fun or was it more fun when punk rock was on vinyl records? And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it was probably more fun before the Internet. Well, no, I, I, I uh, admittedly, I avoid social media like the plague in my personal life. Yeah. I mean, no MySpace, no Facebook, no Instagram, no nothing like wow. that. There is an Instagram with my name on it that Alternative Tentacles, my label, maintains because there were so many fake Jello Biafras out there otherwise. But, um, you know, I, I can only take so much of this at a time and I don't want to worry about likes and dislikes. And, uh, you know, there was enough of that going on in the old punk scene where people were just tearing each other to pieces in the pages of, uh, maximum rock and roll among other zines. It was just like that old, that play the crucible or Thornton Wilde's our town or something. I thought, 
I don't need this. And then when I'm working with the Green Party and was one of the candidates for president in 2000, where some of them nominated me and didn't tell me till later, but I ran with it as a way to help Ralph Nader, not run against him. But there was all these backbiting, the same kind of stuff going on in the Green Party. There were two different Green Parties at the time. And each one was in part spearheaded by old radicals from the 60s who hated each other's guts personally and had found a new avenue to attack each other on. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Why do you think people are so uh, negative? Oh, I didn't mean that. I just mean <laughs> that there's certain, you know, I can call them netwits or the ones who, um, you know, just spread things on the internet without asking themselves if it's true or yeah. not. Yeah. We're all familiar with that. And now look what's happened. You know, I could, th- 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 I think we can call them not just netwits, but internet sees. I mean, a more milder netwood is like a good friend of mine who moved to L.A. years ago. And to this day, she GPSs everywhere and doesn't have any idea where she's going. It, it, so, um, <laughs> you know, there's th- th- that's a digital age way of, uh, you know, not using your noggin and stuff. But people who grew up in the digital age and prefer that they learn differently. It doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. It means people learn differently. And so for me, personally, my only addiction I've ever had, thankfully, has not been like dope or alcohol or whatever. It's been vinyl. You know, we, we, we didn't have time to just make a wall of weird records for you like I've done on some other things like, oh, look who's here, though. Meet Moon Unit. Uh, well, okay. Oh, hi, mu- hi, Moon Unit. Wow. Yeah, she's a- showing her ass. You're showing your ass to a famous comedian. <laughs> well, Good you know, pro- probably, <laughs> probably appropriate if she's seen my work. So uh, there you go. But um, oh yeah, Mooney got fingered. There we go. <laughs> I actually, okay. I actually just got a new puppy to, uh, yesterday, today, and yesterday in the last 24 hours, and uh, my new puppy is is in the other room, and it's kennel wall. We do this. Right, well, before she goes, evangelist oh, kitty. <laughs> wow, that is so great. Oh, that is so nice. Oh, yeah. So, oh, there's well, a tail again, too. So Do not bite the phone cord, though. You're off of my lap if you do that again. All right. <laughs> All right, you're off. Go. Okay. I, I, was, I was a skateboarder in the 80s. Uh, I, you know, you I just hopped up. back on. Okay. This cat. We're going to roll with it here. This is what I'm going to look oh, like yeah. for a Leave while. The people Get in the frame properly. The you, you think you're a star? Act like one. It's, there. Yeah, leave the cat. It's Moonbeam, <laughs> moonbeam, you said? Moon unit. Moon unit. Moon unit. Sorry, moon unit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, more, you know, not just a tribute to Moon Zappa, but, uh, you know, when I got her as a kitten, I normally adopted adult cats. And, boy, I learned my lesson all over again with this one. But it was like, this cat is a kitty from space. My girlfriend, Anne-Marie, she wanted wanted Barbarella. And this cat really isn't a Barbarella. And then I flash moon unit. That's it. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't name her that. But then, you know, a few weeks later, she shakes her head. That cat is a moon unit. <laughs> so when you when you started making music, what year was it when you started the Dead Kennedys? Dead Kennedys started in well, we debuted in July of 1978 after being together as a full band for a week. Wow. <laughs> you know, we finally got a good drummer and a second guitar player went by the name of 6025 and 
left about six months later, but wrote the songs Ill in the Head and Religious Vomit and Music to Straight A's and I think one or two more. What 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 punk rock bands were you listening to before you started making music yourself that you would say influenced you and you looked up to? <laughs> Boy, that's hard to say because um I went straight for the hard stuff as soon as uh, my father blundered into a rock station trying to get me to go to sleep when I was seven years old. And that was uh, 1965, fall of 65. So that meant Beatlemania was still going on. And um, local stations like the one in Denver that we listened to, KIMN, they played local, what would now be called garage bands, in addition to the national band. So I liked the early Rolling Stones, Paul Revere and the Raiders, Denver band called the Moonrakers, and they also played the Monocles and uh, different Denver band called the Soul Survivors, not the one that did Expressway to Your Heart. And uh, and on it went. And immediately, as I said, I went for the hard stuff. I was supposed to be asleep. Instead, I was jumping up and down on the bed pretending I was Eric Burden or something. And at the same time, what really fueled my Walter Mitty and Cinderella ambitions was a primetime TV show called Hullabaloo, which okay. granted it was lip synced and everything for the most part. But I didn't know that at the time. And I loved watching, you know, the animals were on there. And again, Paul Revere. The young rascals popping out of garbage cans, the turtles singing along <laughs> while fake fish were swimming around them. And they were supposed to be underwater. <laughs> and uh, I mean, a lot of Motown people were on there, too. It was variety, but it was good variety. And I was surprised when I finally saw a DVD of Hullabaloo 30 years later, how sharply I remembered all that because of how much it meant to me and all. And uh then Walter Mitty kind of went away for a while, and the, the Batman show hit, and still the greatest TV show ever made. Yeah, pal, and bam, when, yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, when other, when other kids in like third or fourth grade were right, I, when I grow up, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a nurse, whatever. <laughs> I want to be the penguin. Yes. I want to be the Riddler. Uh -huh. Those are my heroes. Those are my role models. <laughs> and then around about, I don't know, eighth grade, maybe ninth grade was when they started having late night rock shows again on uh, uh, on TV. And the first one was in concert and they debuted with Alice Cooper. So I was there. And uh, a little bit later came the much more stiffer choreographed Midnight Special and then uh, – Don Kirsch's rock concert, but all of that brought right back front and center. Boy, I want to do that. But at that point, we couldn't do that because it was the mid-70s, the sober, stupid, boring 70s that only a total moron would want to bring back any part of in any form. Really? It's interesting, <laughs> though, because things have gotten so sanitized in a way now. I, I, th I think of the 70s. First of all, I was born in 71, so... You know, I, I, when I was in the 70s, I remember riding around on my big wheel or something like that. You know, uh, I, I didn't have a lot right. of uh, a, a teenage memories of it. But I always think of them as being an edgy time when it was like, you know, heavy metal music. And it was well, no, it was anti edgy all the way through because I went through the 60s, too, as a kid. And I was a news hound from an early age, saw Oswald get shot live in the living room and then the incident. 
key plays, Berlin Wall, you know, the things they talk about now that we've lost John Lewis and how horribly he was beaten trying to march across what is still called the Edmund Pettus Bridge after some, you know, horrible Southern clan kind of dude and stuff. I think we're going to see that change soon. But anyway, you know, I, I remember seeing the dogs getting sicked on African-Americans back um Oh Jesus! <laughs> at at that time period, <laughs> and um, you know, and that at point, I think my mother said, "I just don't understand why anybody would attack someone else because of the color of their skin." They used it as a moment to educate, rather than change the channel to something that wouldn't upset the kids. They wanted the kids to have knowledge. You know, now, sure, I quarreled with my parents a lot when I was a kid, but I'm really grateful to them for that because so many people my own age, they don't remember all this stuff nearly as vividly as I do. You know, the anti-Vietnam War protests, some of which t- took place right across the street from my elementary school. And uh, and of course, I didn't just feel the 60s on the level of the current events, of the culture the music, too, all unfolding at the same time and stuff. And I felt it all. At once. So when when so the, early punk that would be the what's now called garage rock, and for a while was called sixties punk until people selling old sixties singles were even la- labeling Gary Lewis and the Playboys as sixties punk, and then something had to be done with a more generalized term and stuff. And then uh, then later then came Steppenwolf, who I'm surprised are as forgotten as they are now. And uh, a little bit later, then came Led Zeppelin, then came Black Sabbath. But then came, you talk about the 70s being edgy. There ain't nothing about the hostile takeover of rock and music by soft rock, Mm. adult rock, smooth FM rock. We're going to play a new track from the new Dan Fogelberg album now. (laughs) The Eagles, you know, still one of the worst bands in history (laughs) by far. I was not happy about this. Yeah. And luckily, a little bit later, I discovered used record stores, and there was one called Trade a Tape near Boulder High School, Boulder, Colorado, where I could just grab everything out of the free box every single day and start looking for cool music. And in the meantime, there was a music critic for the Denver Post, the big uh, paper that he, you know, at the time that we got on Sundays, who would do capsule reviews and then did a whole column on how much he hated Alice Cooper, which was kind of fighting words for me at the time. Right. It's the first music I'd ever heard that was rock and roll where you should listen to the words, man. <laughs> you know, I even read Dead Babies as a poem in eighth grade in speech class, and the teacher liked it. Uh. But <laughs> I still know him, too. Yeah. Anyway, wow. so um, – this guy at one point then said, you know, after Alice Cooper, well, he could probably write pretty ballads. And then a little bit later, they'd say Paul Simon and the Bee Gees, two of the worst things ever, were the greatest composers of the 20th century. But then he also had encyclopedic knowledge of what he didn't like. So Black Sabbath is almost as bad as the MC5. Down to trade a tape I go, 50 cents later, I have an MC5 album. Mm-hmm. Couple plays later, I go get another MC5 album. That was Kick Out the Jams. Then my life began to change. 
And that was right around the time I blundered into one stray issue. Somebody had a Rolling Stone and there was the Raw Power album that had just come out, Iggy and the Stooges. And it was reviewed that issue. And, you know, so I, I right when my friends were trying to grow out of FM radio and got into Emerson Lake and Palmer and yes. And, uh, you know, one of the few bands ever that was even worse than the Eagles <laughs> and, uh, you know, classically trained Donny Osmond on vocals is not for this man. <laughs> so right when they were doing that, I was all about MC five and stooges and Hawkwind and blue oyster cults tyranny and mutation album. Cause that was the first record I bought on a, on a hunch, having not heard a note of it. And then it was my favorite record for a while, black Sabbath, of course, too. And so how much of that was punk? Obviously, you know, a lot of the punk spirit as we know it today sprang from the stooges. And I think maybe the most influential of all those albums, even more than Funhouse, which to me is maybe the best record any band ever made. You know, sorry, not Led Zeppelin four, not Hotel California, something really good. Funhouse. Anyway, yeah. um, the most important Stooges album was one that popped out right about when punk was starting to hit called Metallic K.O., uh -huh. which was the first kind of a bootleg and then a more official live album. Recording quality, not so hot, but never had any of us heard a band where the singer is going out of his way to annoy the audience right. and just escalates it and tries to bait them as the night goes on. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that influenced the behavior of the dead boys, the germs, negative trend in San Francisco when Roz was the singer. And then a uh, little bit after that, dead Kennedy's. You know, breaking down these barriers between uh, band and audience. And at first we'd be bottom of the build. I'd leave the stage and at Mabuhay Gardens in order to keep the restaurant license so they could let underage people in, which was a key decision because I was 19 or I just turned 20 when the band actually debuted. And then um, so, so you, uh, anyway, they would they would give people popcorn for free with a ton of salt on it. So you'd buy more drinks. So there's all these people in the back of the chairs oh, sitting down for which is what a lot of people did for music then, right? It was the Eagles era. Yeah. And so I would go back there, cut through the crowd that was uh, pogo dancing at the time and just start shampooing people with their popcorn, pouring their beer all over them and stuff like that. And yes, there, it got reactions. What? Although one poor hippie looking dude in Berkeley I got once where I stood on the picnic table and poured an entire pitcher of beer all over him, all slowly but surely. And he came up to me at another punk show in San Francisco later and thanked me for changing his life. <laughs> hey, well, that's 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 uh, one way to make an impression on someone. I mean, I mean, the more dead Kennedy's got an audience, the bigger it grew. I couldn't get through the front to get to the back anymore. So uh, couldn't do much of that after that, although I did share shampoo a table of people with their own ashtray stuff in the table the whiskey a go-go once and it turned out to be a whole coven of a and r people from rca records looking to whether or not they should sign the band yeah and I, I, thankfully they fled <laughs> yeah you, you, it would have changed everything if you'd signed with a major label i guess well, no, I mean, there, that became an issue later on because we took off in England and the British CBS, British Polydor, even British A&M, as well as Virgin, were all after Dead Kennedys after the Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables album did as well as it did. And it got to the point of reading contracts and stuff and 
the virgin one wanted an album every six months for the next who knows how many years and i thought oh my god this is why so many virgin bands put out too many albums and start sucking so bad we're not signing this and then i guess it it came the closest with polydor and i think some people in the band wanted to do it but i really didn't want to be on a major label I'd seen them wreck so many other bands that I liked, even back to the 60s, that I'm like, no, I want no part of this. And I never pulled a, you know, a hissy fit tantrum with a band saying we signed this and I quit. But if they had, I would have left right then and there. Instead, (laughs) it was like, okay, Polydor, the new single we're putting out is called Too Drunk to Fuck. You want to put that out? Right. Yeah. Never heard from them again. <laughs> Mission accomplished. But that, that, so there, there is a joy, though, in just causing this kind of confusion, right? Is it just this sort of this sort of fuck you to the to the mainstream conventions and the sort of the the the, the, the sort of group think that we all kind of go through when we go to like when I was in school, I'd go to school. Everyone was listening to the Eagles when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, I was listening to the Dead Kennedys. I was listening to Agent Orange. I was listening to uh, a lot of rap music, actually. Like, uh, you know, I was listening to Public Enemy. And uh, kids at my high school didn't know what the hell was going on. I was a skateboarder. But there was something that was very appealing about just the, the political message that was in the music, but also the shock value. You know, when I, when I remember when I saw Dead the words dead Kennedys together for the first time, I thought, oh, my God, you can't say that. I mean, what kind of reaction did, <laughs> what kind of reaction did people give when, that first, when you first came on the scene, just to the name itself, you know, not even the music? Well, I mean, we were trying to come up with the name of the band, and East Bay Ray suggested the Sharks, and uh, my first <laughs> name that I came up with was, was Thalidomide, right. and he and Klaus, you know, they didn't like Thalidomide, so, okay, dead Kennedys. Yeah. And they were so put off by that name. And Ray was like, the record companies will never sign us then. And the gears began to turn in my head right then and there. So then I went back across the bay because we were rehearsing Ray's Garage and told the Dills negative trend and the others, that's going to be the name of the band is Dead Kennedys. And it stuck. There's you know, certain- they immediately lit up like Christmas trees because of the sheer unmitita- unmitigated gall of the name. Right. Right. Absolutely. And it prevented us from getting stuck on a major label again later on because to get the Fresh Fruit album out in America where the majors had pretty much decided to wash their hands of punk except for the Ramones where no punk bands after the Dickies were signed until finally Warner Brothers caved into the sales figures and signed Husker Du many years later. And so we were all on our own at that point. But uh, then to get Fresh Fruit out, there was uh, talk of going with IRS records. And, that was, you know, I wasn't wild about it, but Rough Trade in San Francisco was just starting. They weren't interested. We didn't know what else we were going to do. So IRS it was. But IRS was uh, manufactured and distributed by A&M Records. And the M and A&M is Jerry Moss who apparently was, I was told, was a yachting buddy of the Kennedy family. And no way was that name going out on uh, A&M. Right. So instead, Miles Copeland, who was the guy behind IRS Records, um, he uh, started a second one that, he, that was named after the British Independent Distribution Company and vinyl wholesalers he had in the UK and called it Faulty Products. 
It's interesting. And you know, so it I, went out through indie indie yeah. stuff with faulty products and everything else. I, I feel like I feel like I sort of maybe dipped dipped into that sort of attitude a little bit. Like I named one of my movies. The posters behind me in the wall. I wait. Name, let me see if I can zoom out here. I named. Uh, let's see here. Named, You're going to have to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I named one of my movies. Freddie got fingered. Okay. Well, you put too drunk to fuck in that movie, didn't you? Uh, yes. You, yeah. There's a Dead Kennedy song in that movie. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I remember that. And so, uh, there, there, and thank you for letting us use that. Absolutely. Um, so it's like you know, I think part of the part of the uh, the the reason is you almost want to put something in the title that just says you know you want to almost separate. You know the 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 squares, I guess. You know the 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 the, the middle of the road people, and just like don't even you know check into this. You know, like let's just like cut all of that out and just say right up front, this this is going to be fucking crazy, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I also because I brought home a lot of weird ass albums, some of which were life changing when I was in high school. That I just picked them up because the covers intrigued me right you know starting with tyranny and mutation by the blue oyster cult and you know this is this cover some of them just so fucked up i gotta see what this is like peter ivers terminal love the peter peter ivers band where he's got has this kind of i just got fucked by somebody really good look on his face and he's got an arrow sticking out of his chest and everything (laughs) and that was also the lesson when i brought it home is sometimes you'll put on something and you think it's the absolute worst record you have ever heard worse than yes even worse than the four seasons and slowly it grows on you. And then you love it after a while that happened with sparks too, or one of my all time favorite bands now. And uh, so that was one where the cover definitely did its job. So I was always conscious of trying not to, uh, you know, not wasting album covers with a picture of the band on the front. Right. Right. Boring. (laughs) Unless of course you find something fun to do with that too. And I've done that too, but, uh, so um, people, you know, I, I wanted stuff that somebody in more of a cultural desert. OK, Boulder's a college town, so you had some good stuff there. But it was not like growing up in West Coast, East Coast, Chicago or something like that. There was a lot more fun stuff around and people to talk to about it. So I'm OK. I'm aiming for the people like me who might be the only one in their town who's that fucked up. And they, and people told me repeatedly, you know, they saw the cover to the second Dead Ken, Kennedy's release, the In God We Trust Incorporated EP with the bowling trophy Jesus on the cross of dollar bills mm-hmm. and everything that Winston yep. Smith made. And uh, they bought it just because of the cover. It's- and then they heard the music and they turned into... You know, maybe even somebody who's got a ventriloquist puppet with a mask sitting behind them on the couch as you're kind of like your weird ass therapy dog or something. It's, it's a lot easier doing uh, ventriloquism in the pandemic because, you know, you don't have to lip. Well, yeah. Yeah. You, you can't see you, you wear the mask. You can, they don't see you moving your mouth. You but, talk about being different back when you discovered dead Kennedys. I mean, even then. Even people who, you know, maybe even bullied you or put you down or whatever, you know, how would you have reacted if they told you that at this age you'd be sitting there doing a TV show or whatever podcast 
from your living room with a ventriloquist puppet with a mask kind of falling <laughs> off its face behind you. I, I don't How would you have felt as an anxiety-ridden teenager? I don't know if I could really imagine being. I'm. I'm I just turned forty-nine, so um, you know. I, oh, I, you uh, poor old man! <laughs> you know how old I am now. <laughs> uh, you, you tell me. You tell me. Uh, um, let me 62. guess. Sixty-two. Sixty-two. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. that, that's 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 young. That's young also. That's young also. I you know, date clear back to the fifties, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's always hard to imagine, uh, especially when I was a skateboarder and, you know, it's you're growing up riding your skateboard and you're 16, 17 years old and you're listening to, you know, edgy music and, you know, kind of giving your middle finger to the, you know, the mainstream, you know, kids at school and, you know, fuck the system. And, you know, you think, OK, well, someday I'm going to be old and square and I'm going to think completely differently. But then I'll, and by the way, I don't I never use the word square. For some reason, I've used the word square twice in this interview. I don't know. I think it's maybe a good way of describing what I'm trying to say in this context. But well, yeah, because what you're talking about, the word square was what how it was used. Yeah. Just a little bit before you were hatched. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was it was it would be the way that I think you would have described like you say, you know, like the some of the square music back in the '60s, right? So when we're in that context, but but well, let's uh, go back. Let's go back to what you said about things were better than better with vinyl than the internet. No, I love vinyl, but now I think it's actually better with the digital age and all the technology available and the net. Among other things, it means people as weird as you or I, who are the only weird person in their Indiana town dominated by Mike Pensy parents and jocks and everything else, they can find like-minded people on the net and know they're not alone. Right. That's really important. And also, people who are fed up with what they're being fed, even by, you know, instead of bad radio, you've got, you know, the not so good side of Spotify or whatever. However you want to say, people who are sick of what they're being fed and think there must be something better out there, they don't have to fill room after room after room with records like I do trying to find cool stuff. You can just start surfing on the Internet. Yeah. Go to YouTube at random and discover things and everything is available in a way. Everything is available and everything is in print. And that's good. I mean, imagine trying to find rockabilly music, if that's what you liked, in 1975. Yeah. Not easy. But now... You can, you know, there's even stuff from the 20s you have access to without having to pay $10,000 for a 78 or something like that. You, must you know, have this, a, is, this is good. You this must is have good. a whole uh, new, a whole new set of young fans that come along and discovered your music now and, and uh, are blown away by it. Is that something that you get to experience? People experience? Well, I, I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful for that. Mm. It's not as though you saw punk rockers riding Steppenwolf or even the MC5 on the backs of their jackets back in late 70s, early 80s onward. But now it's like people from all kinds of different generations. Let's put it this way. I'm really grateful that the music I put so much into and had so many adventures with up ones, down ones, whatever – still resonates that well with people. Granted, I was trying to kind of make it that way, you know, thinking, you know, 
hit singles, who cares? Especially with radio as bad as it was by the time punk hit as an antidote to the Pat Booneization where all we got was disco and the Eagles and Elton John. No, but it was also, I, I had already noticed people like Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa and later Lou Reed and Iggy Pop they weren't going to sell as many records, but they could sell enough to pay their bills and stick to their guns as artists and do what they wanted to do. But you have to really be crafty about that and smart and have some guts to build a cult following. And thanks to the punk explosion from 77 till now, it is much easier for people to do that. It's getting harder and harder to pay bills off of music and i fear the uh the trump z flu t-r-u-m-p-z-i not the chinese flu the trump z flu right you know i don't know what the live touring circuit is going to be like when we finally make it through this uh covid19 pandemic keep that mask on your puppet what can i say yeah yeah no i mean it's interesting whenever there is a republican administration whether it's now Trump, but then going back to uh, George Bush, uh, George Bush Sr., uh, Reagan, of course, there was always, there's always this, you know, the artistic community, the punk rock community comes out and uh, there's this sort of fear of nuclear war and, and uh, you know, global pandemics. But is, is it worse this time? Is it worse right now than it's ever been? Or is it just always, always something that we've been afraid of? Well, let's give hip-hop its proper due here. There's been an awful lot of political and topical things, you know, going way back to our mutual friend Ice-T and Public Enemy and N.W.A. and, you know, on up till uh, that new Run the Jewels album that everybody's talking yeah. about and stuff, mm-hmm. is um, when Chuck D Amazing. said, he either said we are the new CNN or the real CNN. I can't remember which one, but that really hit me big time. Here, because I got so much shit from some sectors of the hardcore underground that nothing should be political and you're too preachy, you're too preachy. I was like, okay, I got to find a way to be a little more crafty about this, but I am not backing down. But then after Public Enemy did that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to worry about being preachy anymore. You know, we have to tell people what's going on because corporate cartoon McNews, it's being the networks are being bought out by corporations like General Electric and Disney and uh, arms manufacturers and whatnot, where they have editorial control ultimately over the news. I mean, Rachel Maddow works for Comcast, and sometimes that may well interfere with what she's trying to do, or she instinctively knows her boundaries and things like that. But but I think, yeah, I mean, these are very scary times. I fight off depression. You know, my mother's 91 years old and still got almost all her brain and all her body. And but I'm not going to be able to see her that much longer either way. So uh, but I she's banned me from the house in Colorado because she's afraid I'll get COVID-19 on the plane and give it to her. And she ain't far from wrong. Yeah. So just things like that. And then even if I made it back there, I couldn't see my friends. There's all kinds of people here I can't see, you know, even little things like, God, I'd really like to stop into the Eagle and have a beer right now. Then I have to remind myself, when was the last time I ever stopped into a bar and had a beer? 
especially in the middle of the day. Yeah. You know, I often have stuff I got to do instead. But these things can nip at you after a while. So desperate to go to record stores. And I can't go to record stores. I'm actually going back through stuff in my own collection that I still haven't played yet. And, you know, I, I got to have my little record shopping in the dining room, record shopping downstairs, whatever, or just pull out some that I play. And I'm, wow, this is really cool. And then didn't play again. So uh, I have to remind myself of that instead of Jones bumming out on what I can't have. I mean, of course, I miss live music shows. Miss being on stage, worry like hell about that one. I mean, you know, being 62 and having heart weirdness and asthma weirdness going on now, I, uh, you know, even if they started having live shows again right now, I wouldn't go. Yeah. You know, no. I have to take the attitude that if I get this thing, I am gone. Yeah. And that's, I, that's... I, you know, I, did, I didn't pencil in die of the plague on my calendar right now. But you get back to shock value and value and shock value and all that. Um, I have like know, two dozen pages of other band names besides Dead Kennedys. And it drives me batshit when it said, oh, the only name we can think of is Minus the Bear or Suddenly Tammy or something like that. Like, what is the matter with you people? Suddenly <laughs> but, Tammy. Uh, I mean, Suddenly Tammy is pretty cool. That would be a pretty funny name for a band, actually. Suddenly Tammy. Well, I don't know. Y- you, you deserve the music that fits this name more than I do. <laughs> what can I say? You're gonna, it's going to get get you to whip out that skateboard, even if you haven't been on it in 30 years. Yeah. I've got to get this out of my system. <laughs> Whatever. But, um, yeah, but uh, but more, more to the point was, oh, yeah, of course. Um, value and shock value. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of fun things you can do with that to this day. Of course, it's a thing that's, you know, I think Dead Kennedys was a really constructive name. Sure, the name came first. Let's see what this does to fuck with people. But then, you know, I began thinking, okay, thinking, okay, what does this name mean to us? And to me, it was the end of the American dream. I mean, you might not think this is true of somebody who would call a band Dead Kennedys, but I get my heart torn out whenever I think about the the murders of John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and what might have happened if he had lived and Nixon was never president and uh, Martin Luther King and, of course, losing John Lewis brings all this back into focus. And so when I was asking, what does dead Kennedys mean? I mean, I say it means the end of the American dream. Yeah. Is what it means. At what at what point? Do you think that do you think the music itself, the lyrics? Well, OK, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Go ahead with your question. I'll finish with mine a bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm also saying... getting a low battery notice on this computer. It's not plugged in. Okay. So we may have to maybe substitute can... Dominic's computer. Yeah, if this one dies. Charger, you got a charger you can throw in there while we're talking. The char- yeah. Oh, he's got one, too. Hooray. Because stick mine a, stick a charger is... on there. Stick Getting mine out is going to mean moving all kinds of other yeah, stuff. Yeah, just slap a charger <laughs> on there while we're talking. And I believe there's an extension cord in the. Oh my god, it doesn't fit my computer, huh? Oh, Dominic's on it. Okay, get back to your question then while he goes searching. Is it possible? He's searching for my charger cord now. Do you think it's possible? Okay. Do you think it's possible for music and lyrics to change the world? Oh, I think it has many times over. Why do you think they go after musicians and artists so quick when a fascist regime takes over? One of the first people Pinochet killed was the beloved folk singer Victor, pa- Victor Hara. Yeah. You know, or the poet Lorca in Spain. Franco killed him as soon as he could. 
Is there is there, they, uh, is there a reason? Joe McCarthy like, why we, went after Charlie Chaplin as a communist. Yeah, but it, 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 all this all this going way back, and people have been, you know, p- performing their art since, like you said, Charlie Chaplin did the Great Dictator, and there's a lot of parallels to what we're seeing right now in society. I mean, if, maybe nothing has changed, right? So maybe is it possible that it it doesn't change anything? Oh, I, I think change in bits and pieces do happen. I mean, people were just astonished when Carl Rove and crew made so-called gay marriage an issue to try and tip, uh, you know, help W. I don't think this. Oh, I guess it is recharging. OK, good. Um, steal the uh, 2004 election, just like he stole 2000. Ask Greg Pallast about that. But um, but and even I for a few days, like marrying people dudes marrying dudes i don't know about that but then i woke up a few days later hey wait a minute how could that possibly harm anyone Mm -hmm. they're right this is marriage equality let people love who they love you know love who they please i'm totally down yeah Yeah. and that did change even the roberts supreme court upheld that Quite possibly because so many conservative people, including fundamentalist Christians, have LGBTQ people in their families who they dearly love and don't want to see hurt. Is it possible that what we're seeing now? So we, we got that. And I think even though Kavanaugh and Roberts and, you know, Clarence Peeping Thomas and the rest of them are trying to blow this whole thing up with Roe v. Wade. You know, visualize life before Roe v. Wade. I mean, my parents told me that when they were in college and, you know, my mom said if somebody in the dorm got on the dorm hall, got pregnant and stuff, he had to pool money, find somebody with a car and drive them all the way from Colorado Springs to Mexico and back and hope that the clinic was clean to get an abortion. I mean, what happens if you blow up Roe v. Wade is then it will restrict abortions to the rich, for one thing. And since they may or may not just kick it back to the states, although one lawyer friend of mine is a judge in the Phoenix area says, no, the way that last case was crafted, they could ban it across the board. But if it becomes a state thing, you know, it's not the civil war some people are predicting and Trump and Bannon would love to see so much of people shooting each other. It will be a civil cold war where you have reproductive rights states, choice states, and handmaid's tale states. And there's already been bills that have been come up in some of the southern legislatures to criminalize and arrest anybody who drives somebody else across a state line to terminate a pregnancy. They're already going on about that. When Pence was governor of Indiana, they started putting women in prison for having miscarriages. Do you think we'll get to a point where, you know, this this we stop arguing about this stuff, where where the music, uh, music and thought and these kinds of ideas, you know, become obsolete and we get into a, you know, a more universally positive spiritual place? Well, that's to each their own on that one. Um, to me, um, since I'm agnostic, the positive spiritual place is cool music. 
my higher power. Yeah. And uh, I never get tired of that. People are like, oh, the scene died in the 80s or the scene died in 68. I'm like, oh, come on. Put down the bottle. Put down the needle. Leave your apartment. Go out and start checking out vinyl CDs or on the internet or go see live shows of people at random so you find something new that's cool. I never run out of music that's new to me because anything I've never heard before, and that applies to other art forms too, is new to me. I heard, Even I if mean, it was made before I was born. I've been listening to Run the, Run the Jewels. That's incredible. That's, you know, that's, that's as, uh, as incredible as any of the hip-hop that I was listening to when I was a kid. And, you know, you have this tendency to want to just listen to the music that you were listening to when you were in high school. But Not me. Lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like magic accidents. Yeah. I like going in and, and, you know, actually even seeing a band I'd never heard of, somebody else brought me there or whatever, they were opening for somebody I liked, who not only blow my mind, but in the increasingly rare case, I look at it, I can't believe I'm seeing this going on on a public stage. Like the first time I saw the Butthole Surfers in a basement venue called the Valencia Tool and Die, or when I saw a band from Orange County called Death Hymn Number no. 9 who took garage rock to an entirely new high or an entirely new low, depending on how you looked at it. And I saw them in a converted gas station in San Diego. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't think people could do stuff like this anymore. You know, a little hippie dude with blood all over his face dancing around to the crowd and that's supposed to be the singer guitar player playing sitting down and then a drummer with an old big band era giant drum set on the side of the stage laughing at the rest of the band <laughs> it was great did what? we wind up putting the album out yes we did but uh back to value in shock value all the way through i've done this i mean the spoken word album i put out after 911 hit called Machine Gun in the Clown's Hand, it had Osama McDonald on the cover. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As drawn by Chuck Sperry after I, you know, laid out the idea to him. And the new album that's just about out by uh, my current band, Jellaby from the Guantanamo School of Medicine, is called Tea Party Revenge Porn. And, and you have some music videos. Is it, is it? Am I correct when I say that these are the first music videos you've ever put out, or is that wrong? Uh, um, yeah, it's the first official Jellaby Afro music videos ever. Yeah. I mean, Faldi Products tried to pressure and cajole me into making lip sync videos for like Moon Over Marin by Dead Kennedys. And I saw what MTV was like, this is horrible. Why do we want lip syncing when what made me want to be in a band was seeing <clears throat> live bands on uh, in concert and Don Kirshner and even New York Dolls on Midnight Special or something. And, you know, this lip syncing stuff is really, really stupid. And in the early days of MTV, a lot of the bands they were pushing were also really, really stupid. I mean, let's give MTV credit. They gave us Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, absolutely. But I was hardly one of those people who grew up on MTV whose Walter Mitty Cinderella ambition was to be in a lip sync video instead of being on stage. And so I just, you know, didn't relate. But on top of it, I mean, a lot of the provocative album covers, including the new one for Tea Party Revenge Porn, 
were all done by my little partner in crime, the preeminent collage artist in the world now named Winston Smith. Yeah, you're, you and, don't uh, actually appear in the videos. There are sort of these amazing animated montages. Yeah. And I've, I've and watched so, them. They're but, incredible, yeah. But I just never found my video Winston Smith. And then all of a sudden, an old friend who's also an alternative tentacles artist named Annie Kidd started making these collage videos for her own newer batch of political songs she was doing. And I thought, hey, wait a minute. This would be great for one of my songs. Annie, pretty please, could you make one of those for me? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. And then she went wild and made about five of them in 10 days yeah, or so, of which we have posted three. And there was one called Taliban USA yeah. that is about these anti-abortion fanatics you know, who want Old Testament law and, you know, last generation and Jesus is coming back and Sarah Palin saying that, well, yeah, that, that we really need to support the Israeli settlements because a lot more people are going to be moving there soon. That's end times talk. Pompeo's end times, um, Pence's end times, all the people who cycled through like Scott Pruitt and the rest and the Environmental Destruction Agency and Secretary of Trashing the Interior and everything. They're all extreme end times people who believe in the Kingdom of Dominion and Reconstruction, Book of Revelations and all that stuff. And so uh, – and they, and they want government by Old Testament law. I mean, among their own people, Falwell and Pat Robertson were very open about this. Old Testament law, meaning execution of gay people, execution for witchcraft, executions of unruly children even, as well as probably uppity wives and the like. This is what they want. The Taliban USA, same stuff. We have had enough problem in wars with Islamists over the years. We are overrun with another form of terrorist called Christianists. That doesn't mean all Christians are bad. Most of them are not. But there are Christianists who are driving, you know, driving the bus or a truck bomb or something straight toward everybody else's rights. And they really smell blood in the water now that they managed to get a rapist on the Supreme Court in the form of Kavanaugh and all that. And so the Taliban USA video is supposed to drop right about the time they ruled on that latest attack on Roe v. Wade. And then, damn it, if they haven't tormented me enough, Roberts and Kavanaugh and the rest of them, they punted for a year on blowing up Roe v. Wade so they could find a more effective case to do it with next year. And there went my video going viral, damn them. <laughs> but uh, at, le at least women still have reproductive <laughs> rights to the degree that they still have them, depending on the yeah. state. Yeah. I'd rather have that than a viral video. Yeah, okay. well, absolutely. But, that's, the, um, that's the whole point They the blew song, up right? my video. <laughs> and then so the, the, new, the new one that just dropped is called The Last Big Gulp. Okay. And it also ties in with this whole idea idea that we need to uh we need to do fracking we need to do drilling we need to do clear cutting strip mining that's why they got rid of bears ears national monument and everything so they could strip mine all those indian you know archaeological sites and stuff like that and um so it's basically we know we're kind of running out of everything the world's getting hotter Let's just waste it all now. If I don't get to waste it, somebody else will. It's the last big gulp. And that's the name of that song. And yes, there's a video for Tea Party Revenge Porn and another one called Satan's Comb Over. Nice. 
<laughs> well, this is and another one called "We Created Putin" about basically how we did, just like we, uh, you know, we didn't bother helping out the Germans after blowing up their country in World War One, and sure enough, Hitler happened. We learned after World War Two, Marshall Plan, rebuild Japan, and now look where they are. Soviet Union falls. We do nothing except. How much can we scam on this? And sure enough, they've got their own Hitler now, and a lot of it is our own fault. There's there's such polarized, you know, commentary online, right? So when you're when you're online now, if you speak out against anything, you're going to get the other side coming down on you hard. And of course, that's the reaction you probably want. But does do you do you find that you're getting any extreme reaction to your music online right now? Well, the, the, the one that really was a wake-up call to me, and I don't usually gauge the likes and this, that, and the other. That's, that would be all I would do all day, and I'd become some other childish little drama queen on the Internet. But I did a What Would Jello Do right after Trump announced, and I was just stunned. It's suddenly he was leading in the polls for the Republican nomination with a whopping 25%, and uh, he was getting all this pop star treatment, knowing full well that even if somebody was criticizing how racist he was and everything else, that was more space for him. And this, right then I was, oh my God, this guy could win. Mm -hmm. And so I did, what would Jello do? Not only pointing that up, but saying, look, people, between all the glitz and all the funny stuff, this guy is a racist. He's a white supremacist. He's not what you people think he is. He needs to be stopped because he could actually win. And then the comments coming in to Alternative Tentacles, my label, and people who know damn well what I am, and yeah, they're watching this thing, what would Jello do anyway? It's like, what's the matter? Has Jello become a Muslim now? What, what, don't they understand? Trump is punk. Look at him. He's punk rock. He's a rebel. It's and interesting because like, oh they're always, my god, have we got an uphill mountain to climb now? Well, you, so you must, I, I, I try to keep that to one side, unless there's something that specifically needs to be brought to my attention, shall we say? But you talk about are times worse now than at any other time I've been alive? I don't know. I mean, I get really depressed thinking about how alliance share of the worst presidents in the history of this country have all been president during my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Again, what would have happened if Nixon was never president? Yeah. Where would we be now? And stuff like that. Ongoing, yeah, there was Warren G. Harding. Yeah, there was Grant. Yeah, there was James Buchanan who fiddled while the Civil War started to burn and whatnot. But Nixon, Reagan, my father, who was a history buff, thought the first George Bush was the worst president in history. And he had encyclopedic knowledge of Grant and Buchanan and Harding and all. And then then Bush's son is even worse. And then we get Trump and Clinton was no he was no joy either. I mean, a lot of the stuff that went really bad with Clown Prince W and even up till now, the seeds were planted by Clinton. 
you know, the economy wouldn't have crashed if he hadn't helped gut the Glass-Steagall Act. And you wouldn't have all this extreme right wing corporate McNews if he hadn't gone along with the Telecommunications Act of 1996, allowing more monopolies and whatnot that even Bob Dole, who is majority leader of minority, I can't remember which on the Senate side, called corrupt. And we have, of course, NAFTA and the others. And um, I think Obama will be seen as a sad, inconsequential president who might have been able to accomplish a lot because it was certainly an FDR moment, but he just uh, didn't do it. I mean, he was way, way too far into the pockets of trying to just maintain business as usual for Wall Street and thwart a revolution. You know, and thwarting a revolution was a main motive of FDR, too, where things were a lot, lot heavier. And, you know, the wolves really were at the gate because people were so upset and so desperate. And, you know, of course, there was no welfare before him and no Social Security. Or I guess that came a little later. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, so worst times ever. I don't know. I mean, as divisive as Trump and the Trumpsies are. Nixon was worse. You know what? I think that's that's probably. He drafted people and sent them off to die. And anybody who thinks it was just some panicked, badly trained National Guard people who were responsible for the killings at Kent State. Another one of these things, just like the Kennedy killings, you know, that, that just rips my guts out. And I cry to this day is that one. Why did they put live bullets in those guns? Mm-hmm. You know, whose idea was that? Was it Governor Rhodes in Ohio or was he getting some quote unquote advice from the Nixon White House? We got a test market killing protesters somewhere. How about you do it? It almost felt, you know, all these things now, like, like the we machine getting... guns in the Michigan State Capitol building uh-huh. and those stormtroopers who answer only to Trump because they're Homeland Security, not Pentagon and whatnot, who perplexed straight from throwing little kids in cages and ripping them from their parents, the sickest of the sick, in other words. Um, Those are all test runs to see how much they can get away with to stop people from voting in the fall and once they get away with stealing the election, start sending those people like they'd sicked on Portland all over the place against people who point out that the election was stolen. In other words... What's going on in Belarus right now is, again, something that may go down in the United States unless enough people stop it. Well, Jello, Biafra, I want to thank you for talking to me today, and I want to wish you best of luck with the, the new music and the album. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I almost feel like that's almost a, a positive note we could end the show on today. You know, as bad as things are, you know, it was Nixon was still worse. So we can all sort of. Well, feel I'm good, also feel grateful that, that as, <laughs> as bad as things are and as eccentric in some eyes as my musical tastes are and everything else, I have found a way to survive off my big mouth and bad attitude mm-hmm. instead of being the drunk guy at the bar who nobody wants to listen to. Yeah. And stuff. I'm grateful to everybody who's still interested in what I do and, you know, who appreciate dead Kennedys for what it is. I'm grateful it means that much to people. And, you know, especially the ones who've kept up with the other things like Lard that I did with Al and Paul from Ministry. And then the ones I did with the Melvins and DOA and, of course, all the spoken word. There's a lot out there. 
But the fact that anybody, when I'm 62 years old, is even interested in this stuff at all, thank you. You know, that means the world to me. It also puts the pressure on that I better keep cranking out good stuff. But I'll do my best. I'm so glad that, that you, uh, you're going to uh, do that. And it's, uh, it's inspiring to people like myself who, you know, I've also I've, I've refused to give up. I've got a TV studio here in my living room, so I don't know what the heck that means. But, uh, no, I appreciate you, you being here, uh, uh, Jello, And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to talking to you again uh, in the future. And cool. uh, good luck with the record. And where can people find uh, the podcast, the record? Uh, if you're not on social media, where should they look for these videos? Um, they are on the Alternative Tentacles YouTube channel. Awesome. Along with a lot of other things. Or just, you know, Google Jello Biafra, and usually Taliban USA pops up first. Or maybe let's last big gulp. And uh, the website for the Alternative Tentacles label that has all kinds of other things on it, too, is alternativetentacles.com. And the label does do social media. Weirdly, even though I'm kind of digitally challenged, we were one of the first people to sell things online ever. Yeah. You know, I realized its importance and said, okay, doesn't mean I'm going to buy stuff this way, but if other people want to, let them have their choice. I'm not wild about CDs, but if that's what people want, let them have that choice. And, you know, I don't, you, I, you, know, you, people, you why don't you, d- you download been, this? You could have been Jeff Bezos, huh? Uh, no, not exactly. I, I'm not that predatory. I, I couldn't I imagine you treating like my employees idea. the way he does. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> Jello, Unless Dominic and Marie, do I treat you as bad as Jeff Be- Bezos or Jeff Beeswax treats those people in the Amazon warehouses? <laughs> Anne Marie said yes. Yeah, be honest. Be, be honest Good here. God. Hey. Jello by All right. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you. Thanks, and uh, hopefully when this pandemic's over, uh, maybe when you're on tour or I'm on tour, if we're in the same town and we can go out and get a beer in the afternoon at a bar <laughs> somewhere, I'd love to do that with you someday. OK, my friend? Well, uh, you know how to find me now. So yeah. uh, Dominic at the label. So if you are coming up here, red alert me and us a few days in advance we can get all together and hopefully we can uh, harmonically converge and remember boys and girls a prank a day keeps the dog leash away (laughs) awesome thank you thank you thank you jello biafra thank you my friend okay i appreciate it always amazing to talk to a legend jello biafra and how cool was that i remember listening to the dead kennedys on my skateboard in my Sony Walkman when I was in high school and just thinking this was incredible. And now to get to talk to the man himself was uh, very neat. Uh, I've never met Jello before, but uh, it was good to talk to him today. And I appreciate you listening. I'm having so much fun doing this new show, the Tom Green interview on uh, Audio Up. And thank you, Audio Up, for the venue. And uh, we're going to be doing a podcast a week. I want you to tell everybody about this new show. And uh, follow me on social media also, at Tom Green Live on Twitter, at Tom Green on Instagram. And you can also uh, you can also watch some clips from this show, as well as uh, other clips uh, from my adventures uh, on YouTube.com slash Tom Green. And uh, I'm looking forward to... Uh, to seeing you there as well. I'll be reading all the comments and 
and I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Uh, if you'd like to um, leave a comment uh, on my social media and you say the word sassafras, uh, then I know that you've gotten to this point in the show. You listen to the whole episode, and I will notice your comment more. You could also say the word Zamboni. If you, this, if you say the word Zamboni, I will notice your comment more. Uh, so in the comments on Instagram and on Twitter, say Zamboni or Sassafras, and uh, I, will, I will know that you've listened to this entire episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Tom Green, out. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.